This is a crypto finance podcast. We are holding internal knowledge sessions and publish selected episodes to share our know-how and experience with you. So, seems that not only socialism has five-year plans, also Hoysi does with his five-year plan for crypto space, five to ten-year plan even, for crypto space and decentralized finance more general. I hope it's going to be a controversial session. Thanks for having me. Everything is based on the market commentary I wrote on the 28th of September, and we might have a few points there we can discuss one after the other. First of all, I believe there are a few nations, they have a plan, and then there are nations, they don't have a plan. And China, for me, is one of the nations at the very forefront in I believe having a plan and executing it quite fast and um, also quite open, which is a little bit controversial for China. It might be that they just want us to see what they do or they just put out what they want us to see, but they do something else in the background. I don't know. Anyways, the way they do it is to me quite smart and the building blocks I believe DeFi needs to have, they have attacked or tackled quite well. To me, stablecoins or CBDCs is one of the, the most important building blocks you need to have as a nation if you want to have a, a functioning blockchain finance or then even decentralized finance network within your country. Additionally to that, they have built a knowledge center called the Blockchain Service Network, where they basically invited external privately owned or external service providers to build applications on different blockchains. EOS is there, Tezos is there, Solano is there, Ethereum is there. And I think what they're trying to do is get the smart guys in your nation um, to build applications that might be useful in the future, build them on these networks to see which one um, are working the best or work for certain things and do not work for others. And, and basically let the private industry do the work instead of financing everything themselves and walk into a direction which might not going to be the direction you would like to walk for the next five to 10 years. And then my DeFi point or the bridge to DeFi is probably the most controversial one in that discussion, especially for China, who, who likes to control everything and everyone and every penny flowing through their system and in decentralized finance, the way we know it, that's not the case. But certain concepts we have seen in the past, for example, on Uniswap, liquidity pools is a concept that might work even for other nations and other products which do not work very well in centralized, in a centralized exchange world. But I come to this later. Where I believe banks or the most of the banks went wrong is that they said crypto is bad. Uh, we do tokenization. And the tokenization part. Um, I believe is already running before you're able to walk. And with 
certain smaller banks, I had discussions about tokenization or offering crypto trading storage, the whole um, new asset class. They always want to go into tokenization first, but then they don't even know how to settle or move around one of the crypto currencies like Ethereum or BTC, which to me just doesn't make any sense. And I mean this by making now the bridges from the crypto world or the decentralized blockchain world to the centralized old traditional finance world. My vision is not that one world will crumble and the other one will arise and we're all going to have only blockchain-based payments and decentralized stocks on whatever platforms. I think they will sort of melt together in a sense that certain concepts I mentioned before, like liquidity pools, can work very well in illiquid stocks like Nebenbörsen, small exchanges where you trade stocks, they're not very common. And a lot of people actually have them, but you need to go through your house bank, then your house bank needs to see if they actually can build up some interest in that stock and make phone calls. And it's all very cumbersome and you're going to pay you as an investor or trader of that stock, you're going to pay the price for it. And I think liquidity pools is a solution to that, that you can use that concept to make the Nebenbörse obsolete and have liquidity pools in Stanzer, Stoßbahn, for example. To get these, these bridges and to actually get these liquidity pools or these concepts working, the banks, the commercial banks need to have a CBDC because the whole thing to me doesn't really work if you just have digital money like we have it currently. You need these counter currencies to flow around and have second layer protocols on top of it that the whole thing works. One of the biggest hurdles is compliance, especially in decentralized finance. Um, we are trying now to see how we can tackle this, how to put money at work into the DeFi space and get the money or the interest you earn on it back without having any regulatory issues. And even the regulator might see certain benefits on, on these concepts. And one, one other big sort of, of um, change in, in my eyes is responsibility goes back to the investor. I think we, we um, the investor um, community took it or had a very easy life putting all the blame and all the, the, the work to the banks or brokers or investment advisory firms. And they never did any sort of study or analysis themselves. And I, I believe that this blockchain decentralized finance topic will shift some of the responsibilities back to the user, which I also believe is a good thing because I, I almost think that the world sort of lost the ability or the, the, the trading, the old trading community lost the ability to verify themselves and, and think about certain investments they do 
just because it says it on a JP Morgan or UBS fact sheet, you're going to make 12%. That doesn't mean you're going to make 12%. Do you, just looking at the space as it is today, do you really think that this is what is happening? That people evaluate these projects independently themselves and think about if they really should invest there before throwing their money on it? No, obviously not. Obviously. But that's just how the human brain works. But you will be forced to do it if this decentralized finance space keeps growing and keeps staying because you still want to interact with it but there is no one to call there is no one to um blame later on so you do it yourself that's not true that is true for for bitcoin that is not true for sushi token like there, there was literally somebody who people started complaining to what's his name the master chef or something Uh, where people started complaining to and then he gave back part of the tokens that he that he took i mean in, in crypto assets yes there is no value that's important feature for tokens i do not agree for tokens usually you have somebody who who has control who has quite an immense amount of control actually for the governance of these tokens there is a responsible person in the middle so but that's that's always investing into the Oh, but what was the formulation in the Howey test? You are investing into the success of a third-party promoter. Mm -hmm. like, uh, I mean, that, that almost literally sounds like a security that has regulations for good reasons. But is, that's always the issue with this new project that at the, at the beginning, the decentralization is not, um, not a given. And it was not a given for Bitcoin at the beginning as well. It started to grow and then it started to more decentralize. So the only way for uh, DeFi projects for, to, to be decentralized would be for to, to first build on top of a decentralized platform, which I mean, we can discuss if Ethereum is that or not, or if Tezos is that or not, but to build on a decentralized platform. And second, do not have any special powers for the one who deployed it. Mm -hmm. He's a participant in the system just as much as everybody else, which also has the corollary that if something is broken, turns out to be broken, then there is no way to repair mm -hmm. because having the power to repair it is automatically having the power to change the rules, which you should not have. Are you fine with those restrictions? I mean, those, those are somewhat restrictions that, for example, the DAO tried and failed tremendously. Well, I could actually turn this around and ask you if all the pension funds who invested in asset-backed securities if they felt fine when they invested into it and made 4% when nothing else was yielding 4% and then at the end of the day, they only got back 20 cents on the dollar. They don't, I mean... A bad investment is something else than pure reliance on a central, on one central person. I mean, um, I just think that, I refresh that. Um, I agree with you that if you would have like these, these perfectly centralized um, Things and they exist, by the way. I mean, I could deploy a smart contract that does that today and is completely decentralized because I don't have any role in that, because I deliberately take away all power that, that I might have put in there uh, as, the, as the, the, the author of that smart contract. I can take that away. But that is not the stuff that's being used. And there seems to be a sentiment, not only with you, but also with, with a large part of the community, that getting rid of the need of that central party 
is a given that this is it's just a matter of time until we don't need that anymore until kind of the 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 ability to write smart contracts is so great that it can be mostly secure that there is no vulnerability in there when deploying it once in an unchangeable way uh, those are just assertions that are i mean uh, uh, I, I did look around when i when i said that like quite a lot of the programs i know that's not going to happen um that that's that's just assumptions that are no reason, not reasonable. Mm -hmm. But maybe it doesn't need to go to the 100% decentralized. Okay. What degree of decentralization would you want? Would you be fine if it's a consortium of 50 people who can make this decision? I don't know if you can throw around the number, but a multi-sig solution for certain yeah. contracts makes sense. Gets me back to, to the question that I should probably have asked earlier. Well, what are the property of a CBDC that you would want? Why do you say that uh, you cannot do it with the current assets or with the current, say, Bitcoin or Ether? Why do you need a CBDC? What are the properties of a CBDC that Ether does not have that you would want uh, when interacting with this? Oh, Ether does not have. I believe that that would be a too big of a change that people would switch their money they earn in their local nation national currency into another one and then put it into a decentralized um, product okay, well, that, that's, that's that's fine then right because then then you already have reliance on a on a centralish party mm -hmm. namely the, the central bank that can do arbitrary changes to that CBDC, mm -hmm. then that party or the same consortium behind that could actually also uh, deploy the uh, the liquidity pools. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, would you want that necessarily to be uh, like a, a government agency, like a really central bank digital <laughs> currency, or would you also be fine with having a industry consortium digital currency? I see the, the IC. <laughs> But the reason why I asked about this, this industry consortium is, is because um, this is literally what, what Ripple started out to be. Right? They, they deviated a few times since, since then, pivoted, but this is how they started. They, they wanted to be like the, the Ripple network was supposed to be a hubs and spokes type network of, um, of, of hubs. Say uh, UBS could be a hub. Uh, they could issue their uh, UBS EHF or their UBS USD. Uh, and the clients of UBS could be spokes that can, without having to trust UBS or the other ones, uh, you only have to trust UBS that they redeem your asset in the end. But the movement of the, of, of the assets between every spoke that is connected to any hub does not rely on, on that hub. They can only temporarily censor you, but they cannot really cut you off. And their idea, and this is also probably coming back to why you think you need a CBDC, uh, their idea was that uh, XRP is the token that provides the, li the liquidity for all the pairs so that you have, if you want to, to trade um, any any obscure local currency uh, or have any product that is kind of obscurely on, on the Ripple network, that those all have that have the liquidity with XRP. Uh, and that's the role that you would suggest now is some kind of reserve for a CBDC. Correct. I mean, to answer your question, I was thinking about, since you asked it the first time, you asked it two times, if an industry consortium would be fine, isn't the answer to that more profane? 
at the end of the day and you just need the country and the politics and the respective entity that manages the money and the payment methods in the country, which is, by the way, the central bank or the national bank, um, to be on board and otherwise it's just not going to happen and being forbidden, kind of. We had a very nice session about uh, Libra, right? Which was kind of exactly. trying to play such a role without being an exactly. and if, and the question of just having an industry consortium is a very cool idea, and obviously the economic thinking people would probably like it more, especially yeah, these I'm, days. <laughs> but uh, it's probably just not realistic. I was really just aiming for uh, what are the properties of the CBDC that you want? Is it just some some asset that is kind of bound to the uh, that is usable on the blockchain? Okay, but otherwise as close as possible to what you currently use so that the barrier of entry for day-to-day -day users as, as, as low as possible or if there is any, any deeper technological or economical reason for it to be this, uh, to be a cbdc but that doesn't seem to be the case right so it's just no it's that is one of the biggest hurdles i see if if you need to go through another cryptocurrency to be able to get into the decentralized finance space I cannot imagine of any country uh, on the Western Hemisphere, at least, and probably not worldwide, who wants to give away the power of telling their population with what they can pay things in there. This is really crucial, and then you have to decide to decide. So either you want to have it centralized, and then there is a central bank, or not, and then countries do not matter. Because then you can use Bitcoin, or Ethereum, or Ripple, or you use whatever you want, sushi tokens, or your cell phones or you pay with your sneakers, I don't care, but then it's just goods for goods and has nothing to do with money in that sense, right? In, in a country sense. So if you leave that, then it's decentralized, fair enough, but then you don't need anybody giving proof on it like we have it with Bitcoin. It's worldwide. Everybody who wants to participate can participate. It's easy. I believe as well, if you make the assumption or try to be as flexible as possible, because you don't know as a, as a government or as a central bank, which of the blockchain technologies will actually be used or added to your ecosystem. Your CBDC needs to be able to cope with as many as possible in terms of interchain operability. So that's why I also believe that a CBDC is needed and not you can you cannot use the old school routing of, of fiat and combine them on a decentralized finance platform. There, there was there was very funny again. So just look around and see see the faces of the people where the uh, the economics background people were all nodding and the programmers were all shaking their head. <laughs> uh, this this is a very interesting discussion. Because um, interoperability between chains, just someone seamlessly moving or having one asset, one CBDC asset or any other type of asset actually, and, and seamlessly being able to interact with multiple blockchains at the same time uh, is something that everybody would love to have. But it's very much an unsolved problem and it's, it's, even, it's, not, it's not a problem that is unsolved of the type, okay, we don't have a solution yet, but uh, it's a matter of two years or five years or 10 years. It's an unsolved problem of the type, everybody would love time travel, right? But it, it, it just, everybody would love time travel. <laughs> but come on guys, you like challenges, right? So <laughs> why is everyone just going like this? <laughs> uh, I think last week was uh, deployed one of the first 
I don't know, airdrops the first uh, CDCs in China, as far as I understand. And it is completely permissioned, so there's no permission list there. And it is basically a database. Mm -hmm. So I think we have to try to understand what to do with that. And I think it, there's not much, I don't think you can combine this with Ethereum or stake this or any. And I think that's exactly what they want. They just want the ability to provide cash directly to the citizens. And you cannot trade this in the international markets or anything unless it's permission. Mm -hmm. So for me, that's I think that's something that we, we need to understand. And I think given what China is doing, I think that's the way it's going to work. For them, it's probably a way to get rid of the notion of an onshore RMB and an offshore RMB. Mm -hmm. Losing control of those things that are offshore will not happen if it's a digital currency or problem solved. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But apart from that, they, they I mean, um, countries are really not that interested in sushi tokens or in. in no, no, but that, this is now a bit unfair because DeFi is not just sushi token. Well, give me another example. Well, I'm talking about the the liquidity pool um, concept. Um, I, I, I don't know because people might not realize how how much easier that concept is to trade not liquid assets versus the centralized system. Why now? Why not when Ripple came up, which was kind of addressing that already? Okay, it still had an order book type thing, uh, but it was everything was on chain and, and immediately settled. Um, why not when Counterparty was a thing on the Bitcoin network? Why not when Banker was a thing, which was like 90% already there, what Uniswap is doing now? Why now? What, what, what's, what's new except for marketing? No, but I mean, we have seen this behavior in, in finance over the past 25 years. Products came, didn't, didn't fly. Two years later, they, everybody bought it. And I think it's also the same question all the time. Why, why not use Binance for this? Why don't you use Binance? Because it's not permissionless. Well, I mean, the they're, the they're DeFi. Um, yeah, why well, I can use, I mean, DeFi on Binance, right? And the only advantage of the liquidity pools is that it's permissionless. Yeah, well, but at the same the, time, it's a policy because it doesn't scale. Like, that's the, literally a physical barrier. The, the, the drawback that comes with the things that are permissionless is necessarily that they can only live on one chain currently yeah. until somebody invents time travel. But, uh, but currently, they can only be on one chain. So if you want someone, cross-chain interoperability, exchange it is, centralized body. Mm -hmm. Maybe the wormhole of Solana will change this. Maybe. I did not look at Solana yet. <laughs> <laughs> if, they, if, they, if they invent that, awesome. Yeah. I have a question. You previously mentioned that regulators will, in the future, see some benefits in DeFi. What Benefits could that be? Because DeFi is something they have no control over, and regulators don't like to be not in control. Um, I think it's it's a kind of a comparison between the issues the regulator has right now with the commercial banks, where they can or they try to control them, and more often than than less, they 
figure out some issues with the commercial banks and their behavior or consumers getting ripped off by the commercial banks. Coming back to what I said before, the power and the responsibility should go back to the investor, the citizen who invests money, and he needs to do his own due diligence. It's a bit of a trade-off of the regulator, take some power away from the commercial banks and give it back to the citizen, the investor. That's the benefit I see. I, I really believe it needs to be a mindset change because where we are right now, it is not... And I would almost say it's not scalable because no one thinks anymore. Everybody just puts his money some, somewhere where the bank says, put it here. I think it's quite likely that regulators will now try to do the same that they did after Bitcoin became some kind of big and try to come after the funnels where the individuals actually go into the blockchains scheme that they cannot control. So they try to control each individuals and the larger funnels, which are now called apps or financial service providers, and they control them really hard and give them rules on how to treat this new thing that was Bitcoin. And now something similar will happen more and more to some cases of DeFi. They will put them all into boxes, say, well, this box we kind of know from the days, this we call the exchange, this we call order book, this we call funding, and this we call just simply illegal and they will try to control each way in. And what we forget when we talk about DeFi is, well, yeah, it is decentralized, but it's still trackable and it still tracks back to some way. And at some point, someone has to exchange whatever they have to something, whatever the governments have control of. And those places will have to be more and more controlled. And now if we think that cash is more and more disappearing, Every government has more and more control of what their national currency is being converted to. Of course, we can exchange sneakers on the streets for DeFi coins, but that is valid only for the, the, the bottom one to three percent of any transactions. Everything else will have to go to some kind of institutionalized process. And this is where the regulators will be waiting for us with their rules. I'm not quite sure if I agree with, with that with that because I mean so the, uh, yes, there, there might probably be on and off ramps for most people. You, I mean, when we talk about the five to 10 year plan here, uh, you could also imagine that once there is some stable coinish thing, be it CBDC or uh, ICDC, or if it's, if it's just some gold-backed stable coin, whatever, um, but that you are paid in, in that stable coin, that you, that you exchange not as often as you as you would imagine that you exchange maybe for trading purposes but that, that you don't really exchange for to get your your income into into DeFi. Um, and then it might not necessarily go through an institutionalized uh, facility um, between there you still have the on and off ramps of your employer right so you I mean, that, that doesn't go away but this is also what what then um Hoysi said of uh, if that thing is a CBDC, then the on and off ramps become less relevant uh, because the, the asset itself is regulated under control, which becomes more important as soon as the on and off ramps become less important. Or maybe you need to widen your focus a little bit or be a bit more flexible and not black and white that even some more hardcore 
decentralized, permissionless programmer see some good in programming an application which is more centralized and more for the normal type of guy on the street to use because he makes some money and he makes a, he makes a good living out of it. I think some of the, the really good stuff, even if it's decentralized and permissionless, will swap over to the, the government controlled yes. sort of area. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've seen two examples of that happening, which is like R3's Corda and Facebook's Libra, which were both. I mean, I looked semi-closely at both, and it's, it was very interesting for me to see uh, which ideas they took over from Bitcoin and Ethereum and which ideas they, they rejected. But what was very obvious to me was that what, whoever did that was super knowledgeable in Bitcoin and Ethereum and then just had a different task. So, so yeah, that is happening. Up to now, it's not super successfully happening. But to me, that was great insights. Thank you very much. This episode was brought to you by Crypto Finance. We are happy to receive comments and feedback. Email your thoughts to research at cryptofinance.ch.